Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage for this morning comes from Acts 4, 23 through 31. Listen for what God is saying to you. After their release, Peter and John returned to the brothers and sisters and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said. <clears throat> they listened, then lifted their voices in unison to God. Master, you are the one who created the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You are the one who spoke by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers gathered together as one against the Lord and against his Christ. <clears throat> Indeed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with Gentiles and Israelites, did gather in the city against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and plan had already determined would happen. Now, Lord, take note of their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with complete confidence. Stretch out your hand to bring healing and enable signs and wonders to be performed through the name of Jesus, your holy servant. After they prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking God's word with confidence. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of his scripture. Good morning, everyone. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. God, we thank you um, for the gift uh, of, of prayer, the, that it um, empowers us to move forward um, in our lives in ways that are expected and unexpected, that they are even, as Brett testified, um, sometimes words of comfort um, as we make our transition um, from this life to the next. We ask, God, that as we um, delve deeply again into the subject of prayer and what it means to be in communication with you, that your spirit would be present with us, opening our hearts and minds to receive what it is that you have to say to us through your word. Um, speak through me in spite of me, uh, that we might come just a little bit closer to understanding who you are uh, both around us and how you are at work within us. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now, Peter and John, the stars of our um, scripture passage this morning, are not especially well-educated or pedigreed people. There's a couple of fishermen who had nothing but a compelling story to tell um, about what they had experienced and learned from Jesus. But the response has been incredible. 5,000 people, just before we, uh, this passage that we read today, you can read that 5,000 people um, became believers after hearing them speak. And it wasn't long after their evangelistic success that they were arrested and pulled in for questioning by political and religious leaders. And when I read this, I remembered a spray-painted message I once saw that said, they won't bother you if you're an acceptable level of threat. There they were, being interrogated by law enforcement. Just who do you think you are to be running around inciting hope, inflicting the population with healing, 
They're not certain of what's happening, but they sure don't like it. And when it becomes clear not only that Peter and John haven't technically done anything wrong, but that they're also there are a lot of people watching what's happening, the authorities let them go. Now, Peter and John are probably breathless with astonishment as they explain to their friends and colleagues how, everything that has gone down. And their response isn't, phew, you know, glad we got out of there. We better lay low next time, right? No, they realize what a little bit of faith can accomplish. And so they decide to level up. And that begins with prayer. God, they say, you are the ones who created, you are the one who created the heaven, the earth, the sea, everything in them. You are the one who spoke by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, your servant, David. And the same thing that you said back in the day, it's happening today. Herod and Pontius Pilate with Gentiles and Israelites, they clicked up and took out your boy Jesus, but you knew that this is how it would all go down, and so take note of their threats. Give us the vocabulary and the volume to serve all the clapbacks, right? Keep working through us to bring healing, signs, and wonders. Now, if you were with us last week, you'd know that we're spending this season, um, as we kind of have already mentioned several times throughout the service, this season of Lent talking about prayer, and more specifically, how to do it. We're working from a five-movement model, um, similar to the uh, kind of modeled after uh, the Our Father that uh, Brett mentioned, um, and you can find it on that lay, kind of laid out on that slip um, of sheet, uh, slip of paper in your songbook. Um, we're working from this five-movement model, and the first one that we talked about last week is is the invocation. By what name do you call God? Right. Well, today we're talking about the second movement, which is remembrance or acknowledgement about what God has done, who God has been. And this is where we kind of reach back through the history of our faith, witnessed by scripture and the saints, to recall what God has done or said in the past and and tie it to what we hope God will do in the future. We know that God is the greatest helicopter parent of all time, right? Actively involved in the life of creation across space and time. And so we recall this in all the ways that we can in order to draw inspiration and reminders of how God can be active in our lives and in the world around us today. A well-known example of this could be about the way uh, that uh, the Exodus story was and and continues to be drawn from to talk about the leadership of Martin Luther King Jr. People often uh, refer to to Dr. King as as Moses, which was fitting in, in many ways. But beyond that, it also drew from an important story of God's powerful movement to pull people out from governmental oppression and economic exploitation into liberation and self determination. Remembering stories and drawing inspiration for the lives and and the work to which we have been called is essential in prayer because it hooks our knowledge of God into something deeper than our own imaginations, right? It ties us to this longer legacy of courage and faith and bold vision and, um, and God's activity toward wholeness of life for all that has always been the goal of God's work. Remembering God's work means we have to know something about it, though, right? Scripture, of course, is an important resource, uh, but there are also other ways. Hearing and sharing testimony, singing songs, um, and a practice that is uh, less common in the Protestant tradition, um, which is the use of icons. Now, I'm going to invite Jonathan Grant to come up here and share a little bit about icons, how they came about, how people use them, and how we might use them to deepen our own prayer lives um, as he shares a little bit about what he's learned um, and what he's hoping to do in um, our community over the next few weeks. So, welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Um, Visual art has always been a mechanism for remembrance for the church. 
Um, but it's always been a contentious one because Abrahamic faiths uh, have this idea of idolatry and of we're, we're told to be cautious about, about visuals that they can take over our spiritual practice. Um, and so the way in which uh, Christianity has, has approached that is, that is that we use them as mechanisms of memory. They invoke us to remember what God has done uh, for us as a community, what God has done for us personally, uh, and where, where he's taking us, where God's taking us. Um, in, in Christianity, uh, we have art from like basically day one. Like there are, there are, they've uncovered uh, icons and, and scribbles in the catacombs of Rome um, from just after Christ's death. So we have, I mean, we have even sometimes um, earlier than some, some of our, our scriptural texts uh, we, uh, for the New Testament, we have, we have visual representations. And um, it's, always been, it's always been a contentious discussion in the church. Um, the term is iconoclasm of like a fear of visual art in the church because, because of this fear of idolatry. Um, that, that the art becomes the The thing subject, we're worshiping. Yeah, of worship yeah, and not the thing that the art points to. Right. And so this, this first came up in 726 AD. Uh, there was a tsunami in Santorini. It killed a ton of people. And the emperor got scared and said, it's because we have art. So like, it's because there's art in the church. So he banned it. And then a few years later, the Empress Irene, she was like, no, we need it back again. It's, it happened again. Uh, 8.15, um, uh, military failures, the emperor banned it. There was a few councils, and the Empress Theodora came in and said, no, we need art in the church. We need, to, we need visual reminders of what God has done for us. It's always women stepping back in and saving the day. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was, it was, that was kind of like the, the last like official like decision, like it's okay, but the debate rages on. I mean, uh, many of us are from uh, traditions that, that would at least keep things really sparse because we're, we're afraid of this, in this tension of, of the thing we see being the thing we worship rather than reminding us of what we worship. Um, in the Western Church, in uh, the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, um, we have had a tradition of free reign, of, of using our imagination to, uh, to interact with, um, with the text and with God's story. And in the Eastern Church, there is a, uh, there's a history of, like, of visuals being passed down and translated. So uh, an icon... Like, this one is an icon of the, the nativity, and it's a, one of the oldest, uh, one of the oldest icons. Um, it, and it's, uh, in Eastern tradition, they're written. So they're, they're painstakingly copied from the older version and passed down as, a, as, an, as, as near as possible accurate depiction of, from people who were there. And... Um, this is kind of another like debate within the church's history of like, do we use our imaginations to remember what God's done, or do we, or we pass down kind of like exactly um, what we're capable of uh, from our memory? Um, 
there's also a history in the church of, of non-Christians, of non-Jews, of people who are on the outside uh, showing us what God is doing and what God has done. And, and some of that, um, some, I mean, those people are in Jesus's lineage. Those are people who like rescued. Uh, we have Tamar, we have Ruth, we have the Ethiopian eunuch who was like one of the first people to be like, I believe in that. I believe in Christian, like I, I wanna be, I wanna join that movement. Um, these are like exciting people who, who, who get it. And, um, and so one thing that we were uh, meditating on the last few months is like, how, who, who are those people for our community? Um, and uh, Grant Crusoe was like, of course, uh, Lorraine Hansberry. She's from this, this neighborhood. She's like, um, and she is someone for sp specifically for him and for many of us that, that remind her of, of who we are and what we're called to. Um, and there was a quote that was really powerful, specifically talking about the South Side of Chicago. She said, our South Side is a place apart. Each piece of our living is a protest. Um, so uh, there's a little icon over there. She has like a little dove above her head of inspiration in, in traditional church iconography. A, a dove overhead is a, like, is a symbol of like the Holy Spirit's inspiration. She's got a big quill. She's writing plays. <laughs> and, and her quote that like uh, each part of our living is a protest. Like what we're doing is, is a thing that's, that's different. Um, Dorothy Day, who's uh, also from Chicago, social activist, advocate, like fought and lived alongside the most poor and uh, oppressed people uh, in New York City for most of her life. Um, and then uh, thinking about, thinking also about like praying um, with like what God is doing. Um, the text that I kept thinking of is from the Magnificat, that he has, God has put down the mighty from their seat and has exalted the humble and meek. Um, so a meditation of, of who God's lifting up and who, is, who has been humbled by our world and what's God turning upside down. So the, the piece in the back um, is kind of a meditation on that. It has the phrase exaltavit humilis, which is uh, God lifts up the humbled. Um, on March 18th, before church, so at 9 o'clock, we're going to be making even more icons and paintings about the people who remind us who God is and what God has done so that we can all collaborate in this together. So we're, we're kind of probably breaking some rules around um, icon making in terms of depicting people who aren't technic necessarily technically Christian in the ways that uh, we might define it. And yet, just as um, Grant was saying, uh, we're icon the intention of icons is to point us to God's activity in the world, right? And it's um, and in Jesus's own lineage, uh, just kind of remembering that that God used people who were not technically believers in the sense that even people in that day might have um, thought of uh, as believers to do God's work, and were actually crucial part uh, a crucial part of that work. Um, so much so that they are part of Jesus's lineage, and so. You know, if you're if you're sort of feeling a little bit uncomfortable about com uncomfortable about the idea of non-Christians being depicted, remember the point is not 
the thing, right? The point is who they are reminding us of about, like what they're reminding us about God's activity in the world. And so, you know, icons, again, are kind of a way for us to have our spiritual memories jogged and to be reminded of real people and concrete ways that God has acted and can act in our lives and the world around us, right? So testimony is also a way for us to see kind of these diverse ways that God shows up in each other's lives today. Scripture is that long-standing, time-tested, tried-and-true evidence that God is faithful across multiple generations of imperfect people, often whose most remarkable trait is that they showed up, right? And so as we think about this second movement of prayer, moving from invocation to remembrance or acknowledgement, I'd ask you to think about what is a story of God's work or a scripture passage that speaks to what you're asking God to do in your life or in the world? How can you draw power and promise from the past in order to inspire, inform, and maybe even bring about a different kind of more whole future um, in the world? For Peter and John's community, it was the Psalms that they drew from, an indictment that God spoke on political leaders, kings, and rulers. They recalled these words as they requested boldness in the face of the rulers of their day. And then they asked God to equip them with courage and determination to, to keep sharing Jesus' message of wholeness of life for all, even in spite of the threats and intimidation that they faced. So what story or scripture passage speaks to you that you're asking God to do in the world or in your life? Or if you can't think of it, sometimes it's easier to think of, um, think of something for someone else. And so I thought maybe we would, you, if, you could, if you'd be willing to partner up with someone and maybe share a re- brief request. Um, and then uh, if, if your partner can think of maybe a story or a scripture passage that, that comes to mind in regards to your request, that might um, help, help you in that process as you think about this. So I'm going to give you about five minutes, uh, I know, which is not a very long time, but if you could share a prayer request that might be on your heart. If there's nothing that comes to mind, that's all right. You can work on the one that, whichever partner. Um, And then think of what is a story or a scripture passage or an act of God's work um, that is part of the Christian tradition that speaks to that request. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to give you about five minutes. Just Choose someone um, that you know or don't know, and, and let's give it a try. This is an exercise, right? So we're practicing. Okay, if you're able, uh, begin to wrap up your conversations um, or sharing with one another. So last week, um, I asked you to write down names of people or names that you would um, uh, use uh, to talk about who God is or who you need, who you need God to be, who you know God to be. And so um, I'm going to use one of a couple of those slips to kind of give you a sense of how we're going to begin to pull this together, right? So um, someone described God as someone who humbles me and loves me. And so here's what a prayer might look like as we begin to string these ideas together. Dear God who humbles me but also loves me, just as the prodigal son was welcomed home with open arms and a banquet celebration, I thank you that you welcome me home even when I have fallen short of who you call me to be. Another person described God as justice and peacemaker. And so you might pray, dear God of justice and peace, just as David was small as he was, took down Goliath, empower the students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in the wake of their um, mass shooting, all who are fighting and all of um, those who are working with them to fight for a more safe world, to dismantle those systems that devalue human lives and benefit from violence. You see how this begins to work? How you can pull these together? And it makes for such a much more powerful, kind of rooted prayer, knowing that 
this thing that we are asking God to do is in line with a whole history of how God has already acted in the world. Now, you don't have to know the whole Bible to do this, right? But the more Bible you know, the broader your vocabulary will be, right? The more stories and passages you'll be able to draw from to apply and pull into this day. And this is one of the many reasons why taking the time to read scripture, holding it in your heart's memory, is so important for your faith development. Invocation, who is God to you? Acknowledgement or remembrance, how has God moved or spoken in the past that is relevant to the way that we are asking God to move now. It's a formula of of sorts, right? But it's a formula that can be purposed and repurposed in as many different ways as God has worked and as many different ways as we have need. So try it out. Try this practice out over this next week. And then come back next week because we're going to keep building on these prayers, right? Learning how to pray in ways that both have substance but also have meaning. And ultimately, like Peter and John um, and the church so long ago, um, learning to, that will enable us to learn to, to speak and act and live boldly for Jesus' message of God's vision of wholeness of life for all. So we're only in part two of five parts, um, but already I hope that you are kind of experiencing a, kind of new ways to, that feel like they make sense for how to pray, um, that feel meaningful for the faith that we are um, pr- proclaiming and also growing into. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of prayer that, um, that we don't have to make it up all on our own, even though that is also a gift that we can have, but that we have um, a formula in a way or a model that you have shown us in your son Jesus so long ago when his disciples asked him how they should pray, that we can draw from that model in ways that can um, have new life breathed into them. Uh, for the lives that we're li- living now. So help us, God, to, to, to be people of, of spiritual discipline, right? That we can try this out over the next week. And, and as we open ourselves to new ways of communicating with you and with your word and your works in the world, um, may we find new inspiration and fresh ideas about who you are calling us to be and how we can be in this world, to be people of courage and boldness to speak up and speak out for those things that are closest to our hearts and that you are calling us to be vocal about. We thank you, God, for the gift of prayer and what it can do, um, not only in our lives, but in the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.